Welcome everyone to my podcast, Making a Way, a podcast created to inform and inspire our listeners going through a difficult or uncertain time right now. My name is Sandra Guzman Salvato. I'm an attorney and mediator in Maryland. I focus my practice in the area of divorce, custody, child support, domestic violence, bankruptcy, and estate planning. My firm is composed of myself and other colleagues that work with me in those areas. Today, I'm joined by one of those colleagues, Lynette Golden. She works with me in the area of estate planning. This is an area that is of interest, especially right now when everyone's thinking about what to do should something happen to them or their loved ones. I'm hopeful that you will listen and take some information and utilize it. You can listen while you walk, jog, or pass the time at home. I promise you, you will not regret it. Lynette, thank you for agreeing to be here. Please tell me a little bit about yourself. Hello, Sandra. Thanks for having me. My name is Lynette Golden. I've been an attorney here in Maryland for 14 years, and my practice Uh, is based in Rockville, Maryland. I focus on family transitions and I'm happy to talk today about the documents that Maryland residents can use to help plan uh, and get peace of mind for their future. To begin, can you explain to our listeners what are the three documents that one should be thinking about when it comes to their affairs? So in general, the three documents that we recommend for estate planning for individuals, couples, and parents are the last will and testament, a durable power of attorney, and the advanced health care directive. So in your opinion, or from what you've seen, do you think most people have those? No, most people do not. It's very easy for young adults, teens, and growing older, you know, living with your family, just to not even think about what could happen if you weren't there for them. So it's very important to pay attention and and create these documents for your family. None of us like to think about you know, death or anything as gloomy as that or becoming incapacitated, but it's reality and we have to plan for worst case scenarios. So let's start with the will. A will is used to distribute an individual's assets among the heirs of their choosing. You can also use a will if you need to nominate a guardian for your minor children and you also get to choose who you want to be in charge of handling all of these financials and getting the assets to the right people. It helps for individuals to think about what they have, whether it's real property, bank accounts, life insurance proceeds, because there is a difference on what goes under a will or under probate versus assets that can be specifically directed to a recipient an adult recipient uh, without the need to be included in probate. So naming individuals who you want to receive your assets, whether there's multiple generations, such as your children and grandchildren, um, and any specific items, uh, family heirlooms, inheritances that you've received from your ancestors uh, that you'd like to pass down to a specific person. I'm envisioning myself sitting down, right, and writing down everything that I think 
has value, whether it's sentimental or whether it's financial. And then also writing down the names of the people that I may want to leave these things to or may want to have some of these things. Is that a good way to do it? Certainly. It helps to organize in your mind, at least, what categories there are to be distributed and the names of the people that you would like to receive them. But individuals can be very specific or they can just be general. So a lot of clients come to me and they say, you know, I have three children. I just want everything split between them equally. And we can easily do that uh, without having to go through itemized every single item. So how much detail do you need, let's say, for a home or a, a vacation home, the people that you want to leave these to. Do you just need full names? Do you need just addresses, account numbers, that kind of thing? Real estate, yes, we need the address. We need to know what state it is in because when you're going through probate, it might have to be in multiple states instead of just Maryland if you have property located elsewhere. Uh, The full legal names of your heirs and if you know how the property is owned, so how the deed is titled if it's just in your name, if it's held with a spouse or other family members. Bringing a copy of that deed with you to your will appointment, the attorney can help explain what you can and can't do with your your will. Let's say that I have all these documents and information and names. So my options now are either going online, right? There's lots of services nowadays that offer you a package and you can do it yourself versus going to an attorney. So tell me what your thoughts are on just picking someone online or picking a package online and doing it yourself. Unfortunately, I've had the problem of having to fix some of those online package documents. Um, Generally, those are prepared maybe by an attorney, but it could be in another state and they're very generic. They're not at all specific to what Maryland law requires and how that differs from other states. So Maryland may have special protections or additional requirements when it comes to taxes or how you're related to the heirs that you're naming. And you really want a Maryland specific attorney to prepare your will. When one comes to an attorney and gets everything drafted, is there anything tricky about that you found occurs once that begins? Well, I get a lot of questions about, well, how do I make sure my children receive my assets? Um, We have a lot of questions if you have children from a prior relationship, but you're married to a different individual, maybe have children with that individual also. Um, Also with people's life insurance proceeds, Um, Because there are laws that minors cannot receive property or money in their own name, it still has to be supervised by a guardian of the property. So in your will, you can name who you want to be responsible for managing that money until your child reaches 18, 21, or even later, age 25, which we could do with a trust. Explain a little bit about a trust. Um, Why have a trust? So you could use a trust for a lot of different things. Um, 
uh, some of our listeners may have heard some commercials about revocable trust, and irrevocable trust. That's some sophisticated estate planning. Um, if your assets are of such significant value that you want to, you know, try and get some tax benefits out of it. Um, in this case, we're just talking about a simple testamentary trust uh, that holds the money and assets and trust to use for the children while they're still minors for generally, you know, mandatory expenses like living expenses, rent, school expenses, uh, not blowing it all on a trip to Disney World. Uh, mm -hmm. And the court does supervise that. So the um, trustee has to file a, a report each year. Um, there's also special trusts that can be done if one of your heirs or even one of your children has special needs. So they would never uh, be able to manage their financials independently. But that's, again, a special circumstance. The trusts for leaving assets to minor children just until they reach the age of majority is fairly straightforward. We've all witnessed, you know, in the media where people are contesting wills because the person has not left, doesn't leave anything to a particular person, whether it be their wife or their children. Do you find that as an occurrence where people are contesting the wills? Having a will at all is very important to show who you want to inherit your assets. I think some of the problems with contesting a will is that there are provisions under Maryland law about the right of a surviving spouse and the right of minor children to receive the first certain percentage of the assets of someone who is deceased before they can distribute under percentages to other family members or even unrelated people. So your attorney can help explain to you uh, if you intend to leave some of your assets to people other than your spouse and your minor and your children, uh, what kind of restrictions are in place that might face a challenge uh, when your will is probated. So if I'm a wife and my husband passes and in their will they don't leave me anything um, what can i do that is a circumstance that you could challenge when the will is being probated um, each county has a orphans court that is responsible for distributing wills and it's important to notify them the register the orphans court that you you dispute what's contained in the will. There are attorneys that can help with that, uh, challenging the probate, uh, but there are certain laws that do protect a surviving spouse, even if the will says something different. So another situation that I come across is people that say, you know what, I don't have anything. I don't own a home. Um, my car's leased. Um, I have nothing. Do I really need a will? What do you say to that? I say definitely yes. We can do a very straightforward, simple will. It doesn't always have to have, you know, trusts and guardianships and all of that. But what you do leave, uh, you know, at the time of, of an individual's death 
having an individual as a personal representative, that's the administrator, the executor of your estate, gives them the authority to tie up loose ends. Somebody has to return the car to the dealership, um, you know, handle your, your personal property. It doesn't have to have a monetary value, but you still want somebody to have that authority from the court instead of, you know, everything just being swept away or the court naming some other individual who is going to get paid to do that uh, and take up any, you know, any balance in your bank account. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then if someone passes, let's say, and they have property and they have no will, um, let's say that this person has a home and maybe a decent savings and retirement account, what happens to their things? With no will. So that's called uh, when somebody is deceased and they've passed intestate. And if an individual does that, there's really a harsh consequence when it comes to both federal and state inheritance taxes. They will take a higher percentage if the individual has not written a will. And that leaves less for surviving spouse, for children, um, whether your assets are $1,000, $100,000, or a million dollars, you know, we really want to protect those assets for our family. And that's why it's important to have a will. So one part we just talked about was how to go about uh, making sure your loved ones um, have the right to your things. Uh, what are other parts of a will that one should think about? Well, if an individual has minor children, uh, even in blended families, uh, besides naming a guardian for the property, which would manage the finances that those children inherit, you can nominate who you want the children to live with. You know, in family law, we sometimes have a dispute over custody issues. But if one of the parents passes away, do you want the other parent to have custody? What happens if the children have a very close relationship with one of their aunts or uncles or grandparents? Um, putting it into your will as to who you want to be the guardian of the children does have to be confirmed by the court. But in the short term, after an individual's passing, it's much clearer who the children should live with, and that's an immediate need. Um, yes, that's very important because we have situations in some of our cases, I'm sure you would agree, where the children have grown up with one parent and maybe their grandparents, and they really don't know the other parent. So they may not want to go with the other parent. Um, they don't even know. So that is very important for people to think about with young children. Um, the court will have to decide what's in their best interest. And the wishes of the custodial parent may play a big role in what should happen. So you are protecting your children. What are some other parts of a will that you think people should think about? Well, again, when we're talking about the personal representative, who's the executor, uh, the will can give them special authority to pay off your own debts using your assets. 
Um, it can direct them on what you want to happen with your pets. You know, do you want your pets to go to like a close relative or to a specific animal rescue organization that you trust will give your pets to a new home? Uh, but that's very important to me personally. So, uh, that's one it's people more than actually just, don't yeah. think about is their pets, <laughs> to be fun. honest with you. We're talking about children. We're talking about loved ones. Mm-hmm. And that includes my, my two dogs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. that's You have to plan yes. for them. Do uh, married couples, do they generally have the same will? What do you call that? Married couples do have the option for having, it's called mirror wills, where they intend to leave their assets and name the same beneficiaries and personal representatives uh, to each other. You know, generally it would be, I leave all my assets to my spouse. If my spouse is not living, then to my children in equal shares. Um, It's a different situation if you do have a blended family and you have, you know, maybe children from another relationship and we can definitely customize that if needed. But uh, I do have quite a few clients who are married couples and they just want simple, straightforward, first leaving all of our assets to each other and then to our children or other relatives. Should you say anything about your debts or let's say you owe taxes, things like that? Do you have to say something to that? Um, That's actually up to the creditors choose whether or not they pursue your estate for that payment. Uh, The will will contain language authorizing your estate to use your assets to pay off your debts, but that's really more of a probate issue than estate planning. Okay. Do creditors generally, let's say someone passes with property, but then they have a lot of credit card debt, let's say. Um, is that something that you see where creditors come after the estate to get paid? Is that common? It's not that common. I I have done my share of probating estates and it's unlikely that if they're called unsecured creditors would pursue an estate unless they knew the estate had a lot of assets. It's a different story when you're talking about like the mortgage company because they're loan is tied to the house, they would need to get paid off. Uh, And that's an important plan too, when you're talking about if you're leaving your house to your children, it's a delicate question of how much do you still owe on that mortgage and will your children be able to afford to keep it and get their own mortgage on it? Um, It's, you can put your intentions into a will, but can't really say what happens after you pass. So let's talk about a durable power of attorney. What's the purpose of that? To differentiate between the two, the power of attorney is to name an individual who can manage or control your assets to pay for your own care if you are unable to communicate and manage those finances yourself. They're typically used uh, in situations where an individual may become unconscious or, you know, in later stages of life, if there is a diagnosis of dementia, uh, you're naming somebody that you trust to be in control of your finances and to manage them wisely 
to provide for your own care. So what does it require for execution? To sign it, to make it, you know, official, formal, and binding, it has to be witnessed by a notary and then signed by two witnesses that are different from the person who you're naming to be your power of attorney. Okay, so when does it take effect? There are two options, uh, and you can choose that at the time that you're signing it. You can say, I, I want it to start immediately, but most people choose that it would take effect if two separate doctors were to make the formal diagnosis that an individual cannot be in control or doesn't have the capacity to manage their own financial decisions. Okay, so this is for financial decisions and medical decisions? No, it's just financial, business, legal uh, decisions. The third document, the advanced directive or healthcare directive uh, has to do with medical care and the choices that an individual wants uh, for their health care. Okay, so what should our listeners be thinking about when they need to choose that person that will be in charge? Um, should they be incapacitated? Uh, let's start with the financial right decisions that have to be made. Um, what kind of person should be oh, identified as that yeah. for you? Um, you want to choose somebody that not, of course, that you trust, but also that feels comfortable handling business and financial decisions. Um, you know, what we know about our friends and loved ones, are they responsible? Are they familiar with, you know, their own bank accounts and managing their taxes? Uh, a power of attorney has a lot of authority, you know, depending on what assets you have. They could be, you know, signing legal contracts. They could be, you know, possibly leasing out your residence, let's say if you're in a nursing home and, you know, really making smart financial decisions to benefit you um, and be able to care for you. The advanced directive is, is divided into two subparts. The first part of it is naming an individual who you want to communicate to the doctors and healthcare workers if you yourself can't. So, you know, again, in the circumstance of being in conscious and in a coma or under dementia, this document nominates an individual to tell, to be the representative for you on what healthcare decisions and what treatments you do or do not want. It's kind of known as the living will. And this is where you can communicate in writing which decision, which treatments you do and don't want. So it gets into a lot of detail about uh, if you want to be kept on life support, if you want, you know, experimental treatments or surgeries. Uh, there's a lot of detail in there that your attorney can help explain to you what the difference is. And for this, if I'm a parent and I have various children, should I be choosing someone that can handle the emotion that goes along with having to decide these things? Well, um, this is a little bit different because an advanced directive usually needs responses right then. So you, you do want to choose an adult who's, who's good under pressure. Um, and certainly if you have anyone who's in the medical field, 
any doctors, nurses, uh, anyone that has that kind of understanding already will help them make, you know, smart medical decisions. Um, it's very difficult. There's there's a circumstance if you know if there's a, a car accident and you're rushed to the hospital. Who do you think could a get to the hospital quickly? So you want to choose someone local, and b can you know calmly communicate with doctors and 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 then also take the information from the doctors to explain to the rest of your friends and family. Uh, somebody who's a good communicator. Okay, should you tell the person that, or should you ask the person whether they would mind being appointed for these things? Yes, absolutely. I recommend that for all three. So you don't have to tell all of your heirs under the will, but you do want to tell the person you name to be the personal representative. You want to tell the person who you plan on naming as your power of attorney, and you want to tell the person who you want to name as your healthcare representative that you're going to be naming them. That way, you know, we also include phone numbers for them. They can be easily reached and can bring a copy of this advanced directive to the hospital to show that they have the authority to do that communication. Okay, so for those things, forms exist. They seem straightforward to me. So do you feel differently about getting those online? Well, for the advanced directive specifically, the form is uniform and it's because the healthcare providers need to be able to recognize the same thing for all their patients. It's a lot more difficult if it's customized. Um, we, we do customize it to the effect of what healthcare choices you want with the experimental treatment or surgery or life support. And we can also add information regarding your funeral preference. Um, most people do look for instruction on, you know, if unfortunately you pass, what kind of funeral did you want? What kind do you want all the friends and loved ones to have a memorial service? Do you prefer burial or cremation? And what kind of uh, detail do you want included there? Um, so it is a it is a public form, but if you don't understand the choices that you're making or signing, it's a little harder to complete and to make sure you follow all the requirements to make it a legal document. There again, it sounds like getting an attorney and personalizing it is best. Is that is that what you're saying? Of course. Okay, uh, an good. attorney has the knowledge and experience of helping other families, other individuals like you, um, and, and can explain what the effect of your choices may be on your friends and family. Once these are drafted, where are they kept? The last two documents, the power of attorney and the healthcare directive are kept with in your home with other important documents and people choose to put them in a safe deposit box. You can make duplicate copies. Again, if you wanted to leave a copy with your spouse, with your children, uh, and but keep the original with your other safe documents. The the will can be kept with your personal documents, but you also have the choice of leaving it with the register of wills in the county where you reside. And they, of course, keep that at the courthouse. So it's not only in safekeeping, but it's in the same place where your heirs, your personal representative will need to start your estate. 
So it helps that it's already there. Okay, so can anyone go to the court and take a look? No, it's definitely confidential. You would be the only one to take it out. And then the individuals that you name as the personal representative, if you if you pass away, will have to show that to the the death certificate to the register of wills in order to get the copy and the other paperwork started. And so from beginning to end, let's start with the first meeting with an attorney. How long does it take generally to get a final document or documents? Uh, Well, with our office, we can do, uh, you know, a quick informational session, just 15 minutes talking about what your situation is and what kind of documents you want prepared. The intake appointment is generally be about an hour for an individual. It could be a little longer if we have a married couple coming in. And of course, how specific you want to be uh, with your bequest. After that one hour appointment, the document drafting is generally about one week and we can provide copies of those drafts for you to look over to make sure we've included everyone you want to be named, that everyone's name is spelled correctly. Um, And then once you have approved everything the way it's written, we would schedule an appointment to have everything officially signed and notarized. Um, Or we can provide instructions and the individual can handle the signing on their own. Okay, so it seems pretty straightforward. So a lot of this can be done remotely, correct? Yes. Yeah, we can do everything by phone, by email. We can even provide the printed documents, again, with the signing instructions so that it doesn't have to be in person. And we can also assist uh, individuals who either live further away from our office or, or don't want to be heading outdoors. Yes, that's really important to note that this is one of, I think, few things that can be done remotely, completely remotely. Um, And people are busy. You know, it takes time, even during times when you can head out. uh, It takes time to make the appointment, get to the appointment, sit down. Uh, So this is important for people to realize is that it doesn't take that long. Um, Planning ahead, putting it on your calendar, you know, all those things are helpful. Are there any other tips, Lynette, that you can offer listeners about the topic today? I strongly recommend that depending on, again, the size of your estates and your assets, um, if you have a CPA or accountant, you want to talk to them about their recommendations for tax advice. They can be the one to best recommend if you need to just a, you know, straightforward, simple will or maybe some of those more sophisticated trust and estate planning. Um, I recommend that you communicate with, again, those individuals that you want to name as your personal representative, your power of attorney, and your health care directive, that you want them to be your representative. They'll they'll most likely be very flattered that you trust and, and love them enough to name them to do that. Uh, But being able to share what you want with them helps to prevent anger or hurt feelings down the road. And most importantly, having these documents prepared and formally signed will prevent 
large tax burdens and and penalties down the road if somebody were to become ill and, and pass without a will. So it really right. helps protect your important. family and protect your wishes. Yes. And you can always amend, correct? Let's say that you appoint or leave certain things to people and then your relationship or circumstances change. You can always amend. Isn't that right? Yes, you can always redo it. Absolutely. Even, um, you know, what if you have a name, two children, but you have a third child? You absolutely want to change that to make sure everyone shares equally. Or if you've named somebody as your healthcare director, uh, representative, and, and you've changed your mind, you, you want to name somebody else. Very easy to create and sign a new document. Well, thank you so much, Lynette. I think that this podcast episode will be very informative to many people that are thinking about what they should be doing. I think that sometimes our circumstances um, are not the best and they're not what we want them to be, but we should look at it as an opportunity. Everything is about how you look at it and use this as an opportunity to get organized, to get your affairs in order, to do things that will make you a better person once you know you get out of a situation that is not your favorite. So thank you so much. Um, again, if anyone is looking to get a will drafted or would like to organize and draft these documents that we just talked about, please give us a call. 301-340-1911. We're available during the week. You can set the appointment. It only takes a half hour to 45 minutes. We'll talk to you, tell you what you need to know, start the drafting. I know that cost is usually an issue, but we can discuss that also in the consultation. Thank you listeners uh, for taking the time to hear this today. I hope you found it helpful and informative. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you enjoyed it, please rate um, this podcast. Really appreciate that. If you need to reach me, you can go to my website, www.guzmansalvadolaw.com. You can also email me at Sandra at GuzmanSalvadoLaw.com. Thank you so much.